there was a lot of love and effort went into designing these. They put the engineer in mind when they designed them. They were designed to be repaired almost, so you could take them apart very easily. And it's just something really cool about seeing something from the 1950s doing what it was supposed to do all them years ago, and just to prove to people that it doesn't need to end up in landfill or broken up in a skip. It can still do what it was designed to do with a little bit of love and care. Welcome to Restart Radio. I'm Dave Pickering, and I make a monthly podcast for the Restart Project. The Restart Project is a London-based charity and social enterprise whose mission is to spark reflection and change in our relationship with gadgets. We're back for the autumn season of the Restart Project podcast, and we've got a jam-packed interview with Rob Howard and Matt Marchant, two of the stars of the show Retro Electro Workshop. I spoke to them earlier this month about the buzz that they get from the sensory experience of repair and how they hope that repair will become mainstream again. I'm Matt Marchant. I work full-time in one job, but I also run a little side hustle business uh, called Fix-It Workshop. And um, I do anything from sort of toy repairs to some sort of light electronics to kind of general purpose, general appliance, small, small type thing like for uh, a local magazine as well. And I've sort of lived and breathed tech and electrical and anything kind of electromechanical repair since since childhood. I'm Rob Howard, much the same as Matt, really. I've had a sort of passion and interest for sort of electronics since I was a kid. And that grew into sort of love of vintage tech when I simply couldn't afford to buy anything new. <laughs> so I had to learn very quickly how to mend the old stuff that was in skips and bins. So I, I'm very lucky that this is my full-time job. I haven't got a job, I've just got a paid hobby. So I'm very, very lucky indeed. Everyone says to me, when did it start? And I, I really can't remember, but I always remember having a, a an interest. I remember going on Sundays, you know, dad would take the grass cuttings to the local dump and then be old amplifiers or projectors laying on the side and I thought I'm going to have to have those. And I purely learned initially what to do and what not to do by taking things apart. And I think I still advocate that's the best way of mending things if you don't really know what's going on. I did it with lawnmowers when I was a kid, old bicycles, and then it sort of progressed into amplifiers. And I got some beautiful stuff as kids. I would never be able to afford, purely because it was broken, stuck at the side of a skip somewhere. Radiograms, these gorgeous 1950s radiograms that you know were poking out the tops of skips. So I took the plunge and, and started up my own business 23 years ago. And you know here I am 23 years later, still repairing and restoring stuff for a living, which is just bonkers. Brilliant. So yeah, Matt, what's uh, your relationship with repair? Me and Rob didn't meet each other until program, but uh, we quickly realised, I think, over a pint that I think we, we could have been related. My mum would say it sort of started when I, I sort of turned the, the wheels and the buggy upside down, was more interested in sort of flicking those around or actually being in it. I relate to what Rob was saying about the, the tip I, I, we had uh, back in the days before we had separate containers for tips you just have people kind of literally emptying out the back of their car and, and then you'd see something in there you think oh i'd love that and, and I, I remember the first thing still got it to this day i've got um on my wall an akai 3000d reel-to-reel plant and um it was the first thing i had to go at repairing and it's still on the wall today it's not in as great condition as as when i sort of first restored it 20 odd years ago but uh, some of the transistors probably changing again but um, I was fascinated with this reel-to-reel machine. And it was just a thing of beauty, a, a thing of presence. You know, you switch it on and it makes a lovely noise and it all lights up. And, you know, you've, you've got to be involved with the, the technology itself. So I suppose that was my my, my, my love of the old stuff. And I've been sort of collecting and acquiring bits and pieces ever since, really. You know, you get your Ladybird's sort of first book of electronics. And, and you, you know, do you remember Tandy on the high street? I love Tandy. 
I miss Tandy, man. Yeah. I really do miss Tandy. <laughs> and I'd, I'd start buying these these kits, you know. Yeah. And uh, and the, do you remember the little crystal radio receivers? We had to have a massive wire area across your bedroom and stuff. I, I suppose it, it that was there from a really young age. So after sort of radios and taking the Hoover apart with or without permission, it was cars and motorbikes and yeah, bicycles, of course, and I had loads of bikes that I acquired and. And then I was very lucky to get a BT apprenticeship. So I went to tech and sort of honed some of these skills and really, really, really loved it. But always had the hankering, uh, again, a bit like Rob, really, to, to keep my hand in. So that's that's how the Fix It Workshop stuff came. I almost have that sort of Zen-like experience when I'm taking a shark hoover apart or, or or taking apart an old toy. I see beauty in PCBs and, and wiring and weird stuff like that. You, you live and breathe it, I think. And if you if you live and breathe it, then then the rest of it sort of falls into, into line. The thing I like about it is you're looking inside vacuum cleaners and, and table lamps and they, they all do the same thing, but they all have their own little ways to do syncrasies, how they work. And, you know, everyone's, you must be the same doing radios all the time, but everyone's different. There's different faults every time. And I think that's very important. People say, you're going to retire. I said, no, I've got no interest in retiring. I'm just going to keep going until I can't, my fingers don't work anymore. My eyes give up. I'm just going to keep going. It's great. I am really enjoying listening to you both talk about repair. Oh, that's good. Oh, good. So yeah, like as I mentioned, and as, as Matt mentioned as well, there's a program that we're here to talk about. What is Retro Electro Workshop about? Fundamentally, it's just about keeping old gear alive. It's keeping stuff going. I mean, we touch on so many things in the show purely because we get we do just such a diverse range of stuff in the show. From you know, last night we did a Skeletric set, and we've done nineteen twenties radios, crystal sets. There's so much stuff involved in the show, and it just goes to show that you ca- you can repair pretty much everything. And you know, there's bits in the show where I get it wrong and things break, and that's just what happens when you when you're mending stuff. It's how you overcome that that is that's the part of the story. But it, it just for me, I hate this whole sort of throwaway world that we're in. And the sort of the the one of the sort of strap lines for the show is you know one of the last full time repair guys who does this sort of stuff. And there's plenty of us out there who still do do it. But because we specialize in you know the day to day side of things as sort of vintage equipment and i think that's where tim and sort of hall of mirrors got involved and they like the sort of whole diverse aspect of you know we can go from you know a 1920s table lamp up to something from the from like matt did you know a, an 80s keyboard or a kenwood mixer from the early 80s purely just to show uh, the one this there, there was a lot of love and effort went into designing these they put the engineer in mind when they designed them they were designed to be repaired almost so you could take them apart very easily and it's just something really cool about seeing something from the 1950s doing what it was supposed to do all them years ago and just to prove to people that it doesn't need to end up in landfill or broken up in a skip it can still do what it was designed to do with a little bit of love and care i second everything rob's saying obviously retro electro is celebrates the the repair thing i think people have sort of forgotten that uh, a little bit we talk about circular economy, we talk about sustainability, but there's still a lot of people who just think the first thing that happens if, if their appliance breaks is just to, to bin it, rather than actually, well, maybe maybe there is a, a repair that's sort of cost-effective and sustainable for it. There is a message there in the show. Obviously, there's definitely a, a, um, a retro nostalgia appeal. I mean, you know, you, you're going to get people that are, are, you know, love their Atari, you know, love their, their keyboards. The stuff that, that Rob deals with, especially that sort of um, around wartime, you know, Rob mentioned it several times at service manuals. Service manuals are hard to get hold of for new things. Whereas at the time, you know, even up to the 90s, really, Sony would still issue a, a, a service manual for some of their hi-fi equipment, quite a lot of it. But that's that's quite 
rare these days and actually even if you could get it you need a specialist machine to repair some of it so the design and the beauty was was quite often just more than face value it's deep within the machine so when you're opening up an old food mixer it was designed by a, a, an engineer to be fixed with with screws that you could see with the naked eye and there's a sort of a beauty in the layout of of the of the of the equipment inside. And I used to work with a guy. He was a circuit board designer, way cleverer than me. And I used to sit with him sometimes as he was designing some of our, our equipment. And, and um, he was he was absolutely fastidious around the 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 beauty of the board itself, not just from a, a kind of putting the components on it but actually a, a physical beauty now most of that stuff never gets seen i think some of that's probably been lost nowadays but i think you know the, the show is, is bringing some of that stuff that a lot of people don't see to to the fore as well you know when rob opens up an old you know defiant radio it's a thing of beauty inside but actually even that keyboard we looked at it, it's been designed by engineers not necessarily accountants for listeners who've not seen the show, can you give us like a relatively quick kind of idea of what the format is? Rob's the, the front man of the show, and I'm I'm Rob's assistant in in the show, and and I I, I take on some of Rob's stuff to to repair that he doesn't want to do. Rob is is also visiting people in the community as well. And that's a really nice touch. So last night's episode, for example, was at Men in Sheds, and there were you know, these 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 guys in there doing some lathe work, one working on a Land Rover, and there was someone restoring a couple of radios in there as well. And that's sort of sharing some of Rob's skills out in the community. It's a nice touch. And you've got Shamil, his family as well. There's that retro appeal with what Shamil does, finding the you know the Ataris, the jukeboxes, and actually saying, "Don't leave it in the loft. Don't leave it in the, you know on the shelf. Enjoy it." And that's the point. All this stuff might be old. It's a thing of beauty. Enjoy the design, the look and feel of the thing. I think you can expect all of that. It's not how to repair your lawnmower. It's an overview. It's an introduction. It's sharing the love. A bit of community spirited. There's a bit of buying and selling going on there. A bit of the commerce side of things, but it's it's bringing it to to a wider audience. It's feel good telly without too much emotion. If that makes sense, it, it's just nice to see stuff being mended. You haven't got someone weeping in the back with some tissues. We try not to get too technical because obviously you then narrow down the audience very quickly when you start getting too technical. We're dropping the odd bit in there that people may understand. But yeah, it's, it's just as Matt said, it's just nice, easy feel good telly that just you know gives you a bit of a warm buzz when you watch it and that's all we're aiming for that's great i mean and listeners may remember shamil from an episode that we did with him uh he runs the repair business armstrong audio i mean what does shamil bring to the show and why did you decide to collaborate with with him He's just in the heart of it. There's so much happens in London. I mean, Armstrong Audio is a really old company. I mean, it's been around since the 30s. I've known Armstrong uh, since I was a kid. I used to use Armstrong amplifiers when I was younger and repair them. So when we got the chance to work with Shamil and his family, I was over the moon because it was great. For me, it was personally nice to work with Armstrong. But it just he's he's got he's in the right place with the connections in London, and he's such a lovely guy, really knowledgeable as well. So it, just, it worked so well for the show. Okay. London is the hub of these things. You know, you've only got to walk off around sort of Tottenham Court Road and, uh, you know, these, these sort of places still exist. Uh, and again, I buy some components from some specialists there myself because they're there. And you might think you can get everything from eBay, but actually you can't. You need somebody on the ground just to know where stuff is, basically. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you yeah, know, what he does is sort of selects his stuff and, and brings it to the fore. The stuff that he's turned up has been amazing as well, really. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you've got a good mix as well. That's, that's the key, I think, to this. I mean, living in the north, like, it can be frustrating how London-centric things can be. So it's great to have that that countrywide reach and th- those different kinds of, of repair experiences. 
is. And speaking of repair experiences, what have been your favourite items to repair that have come up on the show so far? I love tellies. We did one last week, which is a 1950s telly, and it's always been a passion of mine, the, the sort of vintage television side of things. You very quickly get used to sort of service and radios, but TVs are a completely different kettle of fish. But I think the, the most fun for the show has to be the pinball machine. I really didn't want that to go back to Chamel. <laughs> that was here. My wife and daughter came up and they were playing with it as well. It was fun because I don't, I, I've, I've not restored a pinball machine. It was lovely to get my hands on one and just to see how beautifully they're built inside. And these guys really thought about what they were doing when they put these together. There's not one bit of printed circuit board in there. It's all wiring harnesses, switches, relays. Everything is electromechanical. It's, it's a thing of beauty and underneath, but it was it was a challenge that it's just old. Um, a lot of this stuff has just gone wrong because it's old. You know, dirty contacts. I um, mean, one scene there with the, the there was a problem with the fuse holders. They'd got dirty, so it stopped it from working. And I spent hours and hours restoring it, but I got just as much fun from that as anything from the show. And it was it was a real blast to get hold of that. Even the cameraman didn't want to didn't want to glee. <laughs> he was playing. I mean, as soon as the cameras were down, he was uh, T- T- Toby was there having uh, having a play on it as well. So it was it was a real real fun thing to do. What was yours, Matt? What did you enjoy? Well, I, I was just thinking as you were saying that. I, I mean, I, I was actually I, I think a bit envious of some of Rob's repairs. Actually, I'll let you a little secret because the pinball machine reminded me like a, again, it's like an old BT exchange inside. Like a stra- it, it, if you've heard of sort of Strelger exchanges, the old sort of wiper and contacts, those kind of things, it was exactly like that. And the way they even the, the wiring harnesses have been put together and bound by cotton or wax string, exactly straight out of an old BT exchange. So that was very familiar to me. And I can imagine the smell, the, the very nice smell as you open this thing up, you get greeted with this lovely old sort of electrical sort of smell. And yeah, it's a weird thing, I know. There's like sort of electrical contacts clicking and clacking oh, and they, 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 there's slight sparks you get. It's, a, it's, it's the same smell as you get from a train set as a kid, that sort of sparking smell you get from the tracks. I got that last night with the Skeletrics as well. Some people like... Listening to birds in the morning, that would that would make me smile listening to that. <laughs> the keyboard was very satisfying. I think I got lucky with it, really, because the circuit hadn't been completely mashed by either someone else or, you know, water or, or something like that, or a chip hadn't gone. Chip would have been quite hard to fix. That was quite satisfying because the guy was actually using it for his band, and, um, you know, they wanted that specific note, and they're quite hard to get hold of one in that condition, so that was quite nice, even though it was a relatively simple repair. They're all special for different reasons. Like Pinocchio was a relatively simple repair, actually, inside. The hardest point was getting in and out of it without ruining it, basically. I, I don't know about you, Rob. I, I I actually don't want some of the repairs to end. And I think sometimes the journey is is more interesting than the, the destination. I'm with you there, Matt. It's it's, it's the fun of the fix as, as well as anything else. The joy of actually getting something to go again really gives you a nice warm buzz inside. It does. And I think that's probably the, the thing that's probably dri- driven me as a kid all the way to today. The sort of, sometimes you surprise yourself. You think, oh, I've got no chance of doing anything with this. And you just try something a different way or you test that component. And then there's that light bulb moment, quite literally sometimes, where you've, you, you've tested it in a different way. And you think, hang a minute some of it comes back to life and it's like getting a heartbeat going again right this probably sounds a little bit grandiose no not at all actually you, you know what i mean you know it's uh, get the you do get a buzz and it's that's never left me uh, you know and i know it hasn't left rob the metaphor of, of like medical like diagnosis has come up so frequently on this podcast like all the way from the beginning i mean i did kind of a couple of episodes with a washing machine repair person who calls himself the spin doctor oh yes The other thing that comes up is detective, you know, like surgeon or detective, which may seem like very high minded. But I do think that there are massive similarities like diagnosis, detecting. That's what you guys do. (laughs) 
Shows like The Repair Shop have built large fan bases and there's also been some new like audio series that have focused on repair. Why do you think that this content is becoming more popular now and why is this the right time to be making this show? I think there's that whole sort of, there's a nostalgia thing. People love, and eBay's made it very easy for people to rekindle nostalgia. They, they can find things they had as a kid now that we, but when I was going back, I couldn't find things that dad had. It wouldn't be possible. I remember going to sort of, you know, auctions and car boot sales and never finding what you wanted. But if you go on eBay now and type in X, Y, and Z, it'll, nine out of 10, it'll be there. So you can find what you had as a kid, but it might not work. So I think there's that whole sort of interest in, in getting stuff to go. I mean, cassettes, well, cassettes are crap, aren't they really? To put a Who wants a cassette player again? But I'm 46. It's that sort of mid 40s people who remember it as as a kid. They've they've got their favourite, you know, now tracks on on a cassette, and they just want that little kick of nostalgia. And I think everything now is so digital. It's it's that you don't hold anything. There's no physical media anymore. And I think from the audio side of things, which I'm obviously a lot more involved in than that. People like, we do record players from the 60s. You know, why? You know, you could buy all this stuff. You could listen to any of this music on Spotify or any other online sort of streaming service. But there's that great sort of tactile thing of having something you'd had as a kid. And I think that's why it's very popular now is, uh, one, it's the the people don't like to see things being thrown away. But I think that sort of mid-40s group have got maybe a little bit extra money in their pocket so they can indulge and uh, and buy. No different these sort of guys buying fancy cars. Now you see people buying cars that their dad had in the, in the 80s. They can go and relive their, their youth without looking through sort of rose-tinted glasses. And it, it was just as crap in the 80s, if not worse <laughs> than it, it, it is now. But, you know, there's something quite nice about going and finding a, a, a record player that you remember getting as a Christmas present in 1984 and, and, and finding someone who can mend it. It's everything that Rob said. I, th- I think it's the... the definitely between retro uh, appeal and, and what what dad or, or, or your, your, your mates back in the day had is there so you know from the rally bike uh the the the, the, the boom box that sort of era of music they were really expensive the other thing the only thing i'd add really uh, to what rob's covered already is the i think there is a greater awareness of this, this whole circular economy thing i mean there's 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 no doubt about it. everything that we're touching on the show is repairable to either 100 percent or to to, to most yeah, we can get into it, we can diagnose it and we get out again and, you know, there's hopefully a smile at the end of it. Whereas now I think, you know, that is, it's getting, it's got a lot harder, you know, you've got, you've got components you can't even see with the naked eye and, you know, they're, they're not designed to be touched with a soldier and there's an environmental messages that's, that's come through as well. And I think as, as we move towards, you know, um, keep the thing going uh, as long as we can, I mean, that goes to, to, to write Robert my DNA, uh, you can probably hear that, that kind of raising awareness that, look, you know, you know the defiant radio was made 70 80 odd years ago the designers never saw obsolescence of that radio they just designed it well and they designed it with a service manual with components that could easily be changed if they failed whereas now we don't expect a connected phone to last more than say three years i think the average life is you know a pair of jeans three three four years and if that you know and anything you know you buy something that's got a wi-fi connectivity or something that's android or iphone powered and and actually you know that within a few updates the battery's gonna go that the phone's gonna slow down there's a planned obsolescence so i think it's there is a nod to that i think we don't major on it but i think look some of this old stuff was was more sustainable yeah it is yeah that's exactly right as you say keep it going and it it was designed with a purpose and the purpose is still there the radio we did for neil right at the beginning of the first show was before the the, the last um war 
but it still does exactly what those designers designed it to do with a little bit of love and care. And why would you not? I mean, Neil had a massive, a fantastic collection of stuff. And it was, you see on the show, it was, it was just unbelievable. It was fantastic, wasn't it? <laughs> it's just so nice to get to, to get it to do what it was supposed to do. And that's what we try and get across on the show that it's, you know, this stuff doesn't, I mean, I, mean, I could listen to the radio from my phone, but it doesn't sound very good, <laughs> you know, and you could listen to it for a, you know, a, a connected sound system or a sound bar, but why would it, they, nothing looks anything. And I think we try and get across that in the show. These things all have a look. The Weltron, there's the Space Helmet eight track player. I mean, it, it's beautiful bit of design. It looks really cool on the side. And that's why you can, you know, th- th- these things sell. It looks really cool sat on your sideboard. And we try and put that across in the show that this doesn't just sound nice, but it looks really cool. It's the movement too, right? <laughs> like cassettes the same, like things go round, things move. You're seeing something, doing something. So the show features experts who repair the stuff. What can be done to encourage amateurs or beginners to have a go and to start their journey towards becoming experts? Ooh, I mean, as much as it pains me to say it, I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff on YouTube. If you if you, you know, if you watch the show and think I'd really like to try that, don't go and find your granny's TV in the loft and plug it in. You know, don't don't do that. <laughs> it's going to go bang basically. So you know, just do a little bit of research. There's loads of great forums online for any sort of vintage tech. There's vintage gaming forums. There's vintage electronics forums. There's vintage audio forums. There's so many places where either older technicians or, or guys who are in the trade are still happy to sort of part with their knowledge and it's just getting to the, the basic knowledge first and then again we go to youtube videos where people you can physically see people taking things apart uh, and i think that's a really good place to start before you start heaving something apart that's 70 years old just have a little look take the back off by all means have a poke around have a look and see what things are but just be mindful that this thing is quite ancient and not not necessarily conform to any modern regulations whatsoever. I mean, they didn't really care about people sticking their fingers in the back. I wish when I was a kid, I'd had the online resource that's available now because it would have made my journey as a child a lot easier when it comes to repairing stuff rather than having to go down to the local library and trying to find a book. I've been involved in some of these sort of local local things in the past. The biggest thing I see as people come up to me and ask just that question is, well, what if I get it wrong? And I think that's the first thing to, to bust is that actually I speak for myself here, but you know, I, I get things wrong all the time, you know, and it's part of the part of the repair journey. You go into a fault and you've got a sort of series of what you've learned, uh, what the theory is, what, what the, what, what past experience you've had, but you're not going to cover everything. And he says, there's that one thing that always eludes you. So you are going to make mistakes. And I think you have to just be happy to do that and, and not be in a rush to do it either. But actually, if something's not working, what's the worst that can happen? It's not working anyway. Have a go. And, and please do have a go because actually you can you can assemble a, a basic toolkit. There'll be something on FreeCycle if, if you're strapped for cash or Marketplace on Facebook. And I, I reckon you can do a basic toolkit with a multimeter, it'd be a cheap one, set of screwdrivers, maybe some pliers, some electrical tape for under 20 quid. So, you know, for less than the price of a takeaway, you can you can easily arm yourself with something that will last for years and actually you'll, that will pay dividends. So if you, you know, if your hoover goes or something like that, you know, you could actually open the back up. It could just be a broken wire. So I think the first thing is, over overcome yourself as it were you know this you can't do any harm if it's not working already just have a go don't don't be afraid and there's probably more people out there willing to help especially if it's a nostalgic item then you realize they're really willing to share that information because they want you to succeed rob's like that himself i'm like that myself we want people to kind of carry it but there are other specialists that will also support you and usually if you as long as you might be buying some components or a bit of trim or something from them they'll be more than happy to support you uh, and and see you through the project if if it's more of a restoration. In a similar vein to that last question as well, the show focuses on classic and retro tech. 
Do you have any thoughts on how we can encourage repair habits for less exciting gadgets that are more common in our everyday lives that are not so retro, not so classic? It's for me starting young. Rob and I both started as as kids. It's a GCSE. It's it's a course at school. It's awareness as as young children. You know, I've I've got two daughters uh, similar age to to to, to Rob's daughter. But they'll see me taking stuff apart. And I want them to assume that that's normal. I do use my, my tools. I, I want them to take the brakes apart on the bike. I want them to make mistakes. Obviously, Retro Electro, the repair shop, and all the other sort of restoration programs that are on various networks, they, they promote that. But actually, you've got to sow those seeds with, with, with kids. Like they might learn a language or music. And, and it just, you know, they may not go on to be electronic engineers, but at least they'll think twice about condemning their food mixer, you know, or their toaster or their cage. I mean, really, there's nothing exciting about a vacuum cleaner, is there? It just does what it's supposed to do. But if people can very easily learn, you know, a lot of these things are like chargeable, you know, you can, it can be a charger that's gone wrong. There's so many simple things that can cause fun that, and that it, it doesn't simply require to be thrown away. And it's just pop your detective head on. It can be quite simple things you can look for. And I say it isn't sexy looking at a vacuum cleaner, but if you can save yourself 50 quid, why not have a go? I think it's taken the initiative. I mean, my grandfather you know, didn't have YouTube, he didn't have this, but he used to mend his cars on the side of the road. No one taught him what to do. He just had a look <laughs> that's the main thing don't be don't be scared of having a go what's the worst that can happen yeah i mean i think there's quite a few generations that have not felt that they've got permission to do that i think you're right yeah it's about telling people that they that they have already got it you don't need it or you've already got it the first season of the show ends this month, although it will still be available to stream anytime you like. So if you're listening to this, you should be able to stream it and watch it all now if you haven't watched it yet. But what do you both hope that the impact will be from the show? And have you seen any evidence of its impact so far? As it is, I think it's 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 been a, um, a real privilege to, to work on it. Absolute privilege. Not everyone gets the chance to, again, sort of... Uh, uh, indulge in the work we we do we both sort of said how much we enjoy it and, and then to show it off for me I, I, i'm very privileged very, i'm very proud of it really am and i think if yeah people can look back at that as a, as a sort of a, a a nice piece of sort of an entertaining but informative tv that that encourages them to go in the loft because I, I you know i, I know you know to, you know rob mentioned granny's tv but there'll be things like you know that, that we didn't mention on the show like you know big tracks and stuff like that from the 80s there'll be you know those simon games done and all of a sudden they've got their 80s battleships out again you know d- get, digging out all the rusty uh, and, and crudded up batteries out but uh, hopefully kind of putting new contacts on them and and enjoying them again and, and you know the reality is with a with a cleanup maybe a few components they're they're good to go again uh providing all the bits are still there you know the dog hasn't chewed half of it <laughs> but we've had uh just you know to, to talk about the actual impact that i've sort of noticed again it shows sometimes that maybe the demographic of the people that we're, we're, that we're watching the show but i've got i've had proper old school letters come through the letter but that's been beautiful having a letter and a card come through the door I mean, I don't, it's normally just the electric bill so to get letters from people that you know oh twofold two that it's it's sparked to say we found something in the loft that we really like to get going um you know is, is it possible but secondly just some really lovely letters from an emails from people who's dab was in the trade you know and it's just it, it, and they've just thanked us for, for putting a show together that you know it, it basically shows what they used to do and that, that people are still doing it and it just keeps the stuff alive but yeah they, we've had widows who you know remember their husband doing stuff so it's 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 really not just the repair side of things it has genuinely just made people feel good i think so it's been a really nice when I mean, we had some guy send us off what matt was saying about the finest stuff in the loft he'd forgotten all about the fact that he had a 1980s ColecoVision, the old you know games console the rca one and he dug that out and he 
you know, he had memories of, you know, of his kids playing it and he hadn't played it for, you know, 30 years. He plugged it in and a puff of smoke came at the back. So he sent it in. But, you know, it, it, without the show, he would have completely forgotten about that and it wouldn't, and it's still been languishing there. So if, 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 if the show leads a legacy of anything is just maybe people will have a rummage and maybe people will have a look and see what they have got. And rather than it just ending up as, uh, as landfill, it could actually possibly still serve a function. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, with that, that sort of thing still having a function is, is similar to, to what you guys do at Restart as well. It's, it's sort of finding life and then sh- sharing it back out again. And uh, yeah, these things sort of get rediscovered, don't they? And actually, you're thinking, well, what have I still got this? I'll, I'll sell it on for someone else. And again, there's that sort of circular economy back. It's, it's encouraging maybe a bit of trade, a uh, bit of education. The whole thing is sort of self-fueling. Is there anything that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to restate or emphasise uh, as a final thought? You know, obviously just to say that you can watch this show online, don't miss it. You know, it's it, it was a great thing to get involved with. Look at what we did, come and see what we do. And if you want a little peek and a fly on the wall, look at, you know, some old gear being mended and, and, and a smiley face at the end of it. Well, it's this nice, easy telly, so give us a watch. I'm sure you'll agree that Rob and Matt's excitement about repair is absolutely infectious, an energy that is ever-present in Electro Retro Workshop. Whether they are fixing a pinball machine or a slightly more boring kettle, the care that they put into their repairs and the fulfilment that they get from them is obvious. We hope that this passion will rub off on those who are yet to try repair, and we're sure that many of our listeners will relate. You can stream the show now on the UK TV player. And hopefully it won't be too long until we get another season of fixing. Restart Radio is a show aired on Resonance 104.4 FM and a monthly podcast uploaded to the Restart Project website and found wherever you get your podcasts. As with all episodes of Restart Radio, we'll include links with background information to all of the issues and stories discussed over at the Restart Project Org, where we've also set up a fundraiser so if you've enjoyed this episode do make sure that you donate there to help to fund the future of the podcast the music that you've heard in today's episode was made with lasers and repurposed electronics and is a collaboration between opto noise and cassini sound and big thanks to restarts communications producer holly who does the research and the planning for the podcast and now it's time to pack up the equipment and say goodbye to each other goodbye everybody <laughs> <laughs>